Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Beth. How are you? I'm really, really good. Can you believe this is episode 28? I know. That's brilliant, isn't it? So many podcasts, they say, don't survive beyond 10 episodes, and here we are. They said it would never work, Beth. Oh, but it is. It is working. (laughs) It's working really well. So we're really delighted that everybody's joining us on this journey. Yeah, it's lovely to hear all of your comments and to know that you're enjoying the people and topics that we're talking about from the 90s. And we've got a really interesting episode today, haven't we? We have. If I was to say top, middle or bottom to you, what would you think of? What? Yay! What yes. in the back? <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Michael Barrymore. Michael Barrymore. And there's yeah. quite a story to be told. There is indeed, which we will cover all aspects of his career and life. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Beth. Let's... Rewind to the 90s. Michael Kieran Parker, better known for his stage name as Michael Barrymore, was born on the 4th of May 1952 in Bermondsey in London. His childhood was marked by both joys and challenges, shaping his personality and influencing his future career in the entertainment industry. Barrymore's early years were characterised by his family's working class background. He was the seventh of eight children born to Margaret O'Shea and Henry Parker. His father was a printer and his mother worked as a hospital cleaner. Growing up in a modest household, Barrymore experienced the realities of financial constraints and the importance of hard work. Now, despite the economic limitations, Barrymore exhibited an early interest in performing. As a child, he often entertained his family and friends with his natural wit and his comedic talent. His ability to make people laugh became a defining characteristic that would later lead him to a career in show business. However, his childhood wasn't without challenges. He struggled with dyslexia, which made the traditional education difficult for him. Dyslexia is a learning disorder that affects reading, writing and spelling skills, and the condition often led to feelings of frustration and inadequacy for Barrymore. But it also fueled his determination to overcome those obstacles and find an alternative path to success. Barrymore's life took a tragic turn when his father passed away when he was just nine years old. This loss had a profound impact on him and his family, reshaping their dynamics and creating a sense of responsibility on Barrymore's young shoulders. And we may have experienced that ourselves or know people that have. When you lose the figurehead in the family, then the children, the oldest oldest child or maybe the middle child or whatever, stands up, takes responsibility. Would you say... Something that really has struck me there is that, you know, last week we talked about Chris Evans and his father Mm. died early. And as we go back through the episode, so many people lost their influential figure in their life. Early on. Early on. Mm. And not always because they died. If you remember Mm. Jarvis Cocker, he lost his father through him just leaving Mm. the family and emigrating Mm. and losing contact with him. So many of them have. And I wonder if that does add to the drive the individual has. Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? So despite the hardships, Barrymore's inherent humour remained a constant source of strength. He often found solace in making others laugh, using comedy as a coping mechanism and a means of connecting with the people around him. As he grew older, Barrymore pursued his passion for performing. His foray into the entertainment world began with his work as a redcoat entertainer at Butlin's holiday camp. You could say, see that though. But you remember in the 90s, everyone on television seemed to have started as a redcoat and yeah. the slightly lesser one started as a blue coat in yes. Pontins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So his natural talent and engaging personality quickly garnered attention, leading to his television debut on the talent show New Faces in the mid-1970s. His performance on the show marked the beginning of a journey that would solidify his status as a household name. I think that's right, isn't it? The household name. He was. And he was one that transcended the generations. Mm. The older people in the family liked him. The younger people in the family mm. liked him. And those in the middle did. He, yeah. he really did get across all those those ages with a, a sort of silliness on yeah. some of the, the, the shows he did. Yeah. Barrymore married Cheryl St. Clair Satchfield in 1976. Cheryl Barrymore was a dancer and a model before the marriage. The couple met a few years earlier and their relationship developed while Michael Barrymore was still establishing his career in the entertainment industry. Barrymore's breakthrough moment came in the late 1980s when he hosted the game show Strike It Lucky, which eventually went on to be called Strike It Rich. Right, OK, so I remember it as Strike It Lucky and that's why I used to love the top, middle or bottom, the audiences had to choose. And he was running up up and down the yeah, stairs. Yeah, it was that energy. Yeah, the energy. And um, the hotspot. Do you remember the hotspot? And I, I think you'd won something. Was the hotspot not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's the same. laughs> but uh, he'd also, I remember him running along the TV screens and then back again. And then, uh, so it was brilliant. I, I remember that from the 80s. Well, it was that, that inf- infectious enthusiasm mm. and the rapport he had with his contestants that resonated with viewers. If you remember, he used to spend a lot of time at the start talking to the contestants and he'd always find the funny. Funny side. And he'd take the piss out of them, but in a nice way. Yeah, a way that they laughed with as well. Yeah, they didn't take offence. There was no controversy. It was good. Now, in the 1990s, his star continued to rise with the launch of his eponymous show, Barrymore, the Big One. The variety show showcased his diverse talents, including stand-up comedy, musical performances and interactions with guests. The show's blend of entertainment and comedy made it a hit and it cemented Barrymore's status as a versatile entertainer and I think it was around this time where he was like the nation's favourite presenter. Yeah. yeah. He regularly won the awards at the, the television show awards and was very, very popular among throughout the country really. Yeah, I was just and it showed him as an all rounder. He didn't just have that rapport with people. I, I remember when we were younger there was a video in our house. I think it was you know sometimes at Christmas someone would just give a random video to someone in the family. And it was one of Michael Barrymore doing stand-up. Yeah. But he did a lot of singing in it as well. I don't remember great deals about it, but I never thought, oh, he can't sing. No, no, no. So he must have been all right. But yeah, his star was shining so brightly at this time. You would never have known what would go on to happen. No, 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 not at all. And then he did My Kind of Music, where contestants showcased their singing abilities. And his warm demeanour to the guests shone through with that as well, as they went on and did their own singing thing. So this was the, the show they do in shopping centres, and they just set up a stage in the middle of it and invite people up. And yeah. while they were singing covers of various songs, mm-hmm. he'd go around and mingle with the audience. And that was part of the entertainment as well. He'd start dancing with some of the yeah, older ladies. Yeah, and... see, and that's good. That was good. And it, it actually, it's sort of like the first X Factor type thing, wasn't it? But a it lot was. more... Informal. It was very informal. There was no judging on it. The standards of singers were vastly different. (laughs) Some people were on there to have a laugh. (laughs) Some people really get it. They're all, you know, the the closing of the eyes and the clenching of the fists as they were (laughs) belting out ballads. But he was great. And at the time, he was just so popular. Mm, He was. I I don't think we can emphasise how popular he was enough. No. He was Mm. the nation's favourite. Yeah. At the time, in terms yeah. of presenting and being that that focal point for new shows, chat shows, anything that came up, Barrymore was the yeah. go-to guy. Yeah. In 1995, Barrymore was to make an announcement that would make a big impact. 
As a drag artist performed at the White Swan Pub in East London, Michael Barrymore made his way to the stage. He began to sing songs with the performer, and during New York, New York, Barrymore said, I think I'm gay today, before throwing his wedding ring to the floor. The tabloids were inundated with reports, and Barrymore's sexuality was all over the newspapers. He formally confirmed his homosexuality in an interview with The Sun. And if you remember, this was huge. Yes, and as we've just talked about, he was huge. Mm. Everyone loved him, from your granny to your toddler. You know, everyone would watch his programmes in their house. And it was a big thing because back then, you didn't really have someone in his position who had come out as being homosexual, no. as being gay. It, it, no. it wasn't a common thing that occurred. Nowadays, it makes absolutely no difference. But television companies at the time, having a presenter who, as we've covered... Mm was so popular among families, mm. there was a stigmatism to his sexuality at the time. Yeah. So this was massive. So you've got that. You've got the, the coming out as homosexuality. You've also got the fact that he was married. Mm. That would be the shock factor as well. Mm. The fact that he was already married to a woman and then comes out as gay. Well, these days it wouldn't be a big deal at all, but a family entertainer in the 90s being gay was effectively taboo. Mm. But he did remain incredibly popular and retain the support of the fans. So I think he'd always worried in the past that it would turn people against him. But it didn't. They really went along with him. And it was probably the first instance I can recall of, of such open support for somebody being true to themselves. Yeah, yeah. He was accepted for who he was. The next time he appeared at the award ceremony, the National Television Awards. He won three categories, including Most Popular Entertainment Presenter. And I think for him, that was mm. a, a validation. That Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. That would have meant so much to him. Mm. Despite several attempts at a reconciliation, Barrymore and Cheryl divorced in 1997. And that was the only solution for them, I think. He's, he's gay. As the 1990s drew to a close, Michael Barrymore presented Michael Barrymore's Saturday Night Out a lively entertainment show featuring sketches, interviews and musical performances. However, this period also marked the onset of the controversies that would impact his career. The tragic death of Stuart Lubbock at a party hosted at Barrymore's home led to legal proceedings and tarnished the entertainer's reputation. And this will be the incident that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will remember. Yeah, so most our, our listeners are going to be yeah. familiar with the 90s and this mm. happened just after the 90s. Mm. So it was the night of March the 31st, 2001, that marked a fateful and tragic event that would forever change the lives of all those involved. Stuart Lubbock, a 31-year-old father of two, was found dead in the swimming pool of the home belonging to Michael Barrymore. So Stuart had been out for the evening on the town with his brother Kevin, and somehow he crossed paths with Michael Barrymore and Michael's boyfriend, Jonathan Kenny, at the Millennium Nightclub in Harlow in Essex. Stuart, a meat factory worker from Hollow Essex, had been invited to a party at Michael Barrymore's mansion in Royden, Essex. The event was attended by a mix of guests, including friends of Barrymore. The next morning, though, on April the 1st, 2001, a guest at the party discovered Stuart Lubbock's lifeless body floating in the swimming pool. The police were called to the scene and investigation into the circumstances of his death was initiated. Initial reports indicated that Lubbock had suffered serious injuries, including severe internal injuries and evidence of sexual assault. The pool area itself showed signs of a chaotic scene with indications that attempts had been made to clean the area before authorities arrived. 
An inquest in September 2002 heard that Stuart Lubbock had the equivalent of nine pints of beer, cocaine and ecstasy all in his system. One partygoer claimed that she had witnessed Barrymore offer some cocaine to Stuart, but the 31-year-old declined. Then Barrymore put some of the powder on his finger and popped it into Stuart Lubbock's mouth. The investigation into Stuart Lubbock's death became a media sensation, giving Michael Barrymore's celebrity status and the mystery nature of the incident. Autopsy results reveal that Lubbock had consumed a significant amount of alcohol and drugs before his death. The injuries sustained by Lubbock led to speculation about what had transpired that night and the possibility of foul play was heavily discussed in the media. You would. The media would have a field day with this, wouldn't they? It's, it's not hard to... You know, earlier on we were talking about not being able to emphasise enough how much of a national treasure mm-hmm. Michael Barrymore was. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, it's not difficult to imagine the sensation that something like this would cause. Basically, yeah. take the most recognisable television personality from now mm-hmm. and put them in this situation. Yeah. It's huge. Huge. Barrymore admits that he did have a drug problem and he drank the best part of a bottle of whiskey that night, in addition to wine. He remembered seeing Stuart heading for the jacuzzi where other partygoers were, but that was the last time he says he saw him. Between 3am and 4am, Barrymore's boyfriend returned home with two other guests and two other locals had also joined the party. At around 5am, neighbours recalled hearing screams, although Barrymore claimed that between 4.30 and 4.45, he was showing two guests the jacuzzi when he found Stuart's body. Barrymore did not jump in. Now, there are a number of things that happened here that left Barrymore looking suspicious. Mm. He later said he didn't jump in because he couldn't swim. But that was contradicted by his wife, Cheryl, and his former bodyguard. The two guests Barrymore had been shown to the pool pulled Lubbock's body out of the water and Barrymore's boyfriend tried to perform mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Barrymore later said that another guest called an ambulance almost immediately. But records show that no 999 call was received until 5.46am. And that's apparently at least an hour after Stuart's body had been found. Mm, see, that doesn't look good either, does it? It doesn't. So we've we've got a crime scene that had been cleaned. Yeah, yeah. We've got Barrymore who didn't jump in because he couldn't swim, even though that was contradicted by two people mm. that know him very mm. well. Mm. And then a call didn't make it for an ambulance for an hour after the event. One witness claimed that Barrymore changed his clothes before leaving with a bundle of material. It has never been established what this was or indeed if the claim was accurate. We know he did leave the scene before police and ambulance arrived mm. and he had a, a number of things with him as he left and it's never been clear what those, what those items were. Like. Now, you could look at this two or three ways, really. One, there was something to be guilty about and he made mm. his exit. Mm. Two, he's talked about having a drug problem. Mm. He may have had things on him. He wanted to get out of the house before police arrived yes, and maybe his focus was on that. And three, maybe he was trying to protect his career. Now, he drank a lot of a bottle of whiskey and wine, so was his mind working in that way? Who knows? Mm. Yeah, he was quite acclimatised then, presumably, with all the alcohol and the drugs. Mm. The same witness also told police that Barrymore's boyfriend was rushing around, apparently hiding things. By the time the emergency services arrived, Barrymore had left the property and gone to a neighbour's house. I see, I think that's a bit strange, isn't it, to leave her, even if they're trying to hide stuff that's going to incriminate them. By leaving the property, when you know you've been there, is that not more suspicious? It is very suspicious, and I guess there's another way of looking at it that you could say, with his popularity being the way it was, his ego had gone out of control, and rather than thinking about a murder victim on his own grounds, in his own party, he was thinking about self-preservation in terms of his career. 
Stuart was taken to Princess Alexandra Hospital in Harlow and they worked on him for two hours to try and resuscitate him before declaring him dead at 8.23 in the morning. The police received quite a lot of criticism for how they acted at the time. For example, they asked a guest to measure the water temperature in the swimming pool to determine whether cold water could have triggered a heart attack. In the case of a death, you would expect that kind of task not to be left in the hands of a drunk guest. However, the pool thermometer was not available and has never been seen since. It went missing along with the shed door handle, which it was alleged had been used to sexually abuse Stuart. That sounds horrendous. That sounds awful. But the first thing you said there was quite interesting. So the police turn up to a party where someone's died in a pool with a bunch of drunk guests who've been on drugs as well. And rather than measure the temperature of the pool themselves, they ask one of the drunk guests yeah, to do it. Yeah, that seems a bit odd, doesn't it? That's horrendous. Yeah. Well, Barrymore has been resolute that Stuart didn't suffer any sexual injury in his presence and suggested that the damage may have been inflicted by the hospital thermometer, which had been inserted anally some 14 times during the attempt to revive him. The claim was scoffed at by many, but it does appear that that did happen. Oh, God. Yeah, so that, mm. that did happen. Now, whether that caused the injuries that led to all the suspicion of sexual assault, yeah, we yeah. don't know. We, we, we don't know that. You know, I was very sceptical when I heard mm. that defence. Mm. But actually, that did happen. Yeah. In 2002, Michael Barrymore, along with two other men who had been present at the party, were arrested in connection with the events leading to Lubbock's death. However, all three were released without being charged due to lack of evidence. The investigation continued and over the years, there's been allegations of a cover-up and inconsistencies in the statements given by those at the party. And ITV announced that it had no plans to commission any further shows from the star. And that had a massive impact on Barrymore's career. His, his reputation clearly suffered significantly. And he was largely absent from the public eye for years after that. His television shows were all cancelled and his once thriving career came to an abrupt halt due to that negative publicity, but also the ongoing controversy. Yeah. So at no point was he cleared or, or anything mm. like that. And, and you have to say that obviously it was because of the controversy if... An accident had happened in his pool with no, you know, controversy, no allegations of anything untoward happening, then it would have been a tragic accident. It's because of the the situation. Him not jumping into the pool, yeah. him leaving and, and going to his neighbour's house, taking yeah. a bunch of items with him, yeah. the tidying up of the scene before the police got there, the mishandling of the, the situation by the police yeah. when they did yeah. get there. The allegations of sexual assault. And I think the, the, the terrible thing is somebody there knows right. what happened, but does Barrymore know? I think he knows more than he's letting on, but I certainly don't think he did it. I don't think he did anything towards the death. That's my own no, feeling. But maybe he knows. Maybe he knows more than he's letting yeah. on. And there's a lot of people there and you wonder why no one's ever come out after all this time to say something. And maybe it's something that will happen in the future. Maybe on somebody's deathbed or something mm. like that, we'll find out a bit more. But Stuart Lubbock's family tried mm. very, very hard mm. to really push on this. Now, Barrymore attempted a comeback in 2003, but it ended after the first three nights of his one-man show in London received bad reviews. By December of that year, he'd left the UK to live in New Zealand with his partner, and this is not the same partner he was with on that tragic okay. night, so they'd yeah. subsequently split up. A year later, Barrymore filed for voluntary bankruptcy in the UK because of an unexpected 1.4 million tax demand. He would have been working his finances based on the income he was getting. And suddenly mm. that income was taken away from him because if he had a big bill that he owed, he also knew he had a massive salary from ITV yeah. and all the other appearances mm. and things that he'd make. 
and that had suddenly overnight disappeared. Plus, I imagine there were extensive legal costs. Yes. And as with the number of uh, subjects that we've covered in our podcast, Barrymore returned to the UK to take part in Celebrity Big Brother. He lasted the full three weeks and came runner-up, building his hopes that his career may have the possibility of restarting. Do you remember him on the show? I do. Do you know what I really remember about it? Yeah. How much he smoked. Yes. He was like a chimney. He did not stop smoking the whole time he was there. Wasn't he quite into the cooking? I think he was, but he also got really petty and argumentative about cigarettes, who was borrowing cigarettes, who was having cigarettes, who was trying to ask him for them. I was surprised he went on to do as well as he did in that show. Mm. After leaving the show, he actually held a two-hour meeting in a London hotel with Stuart Lubbock's father, and it was reported that Lubbock's father had told Barrymore that he did not hold him responsible for what had happened to his son. Okay. And I wonder what that's based on. Well... Despite this, a month later, Lubbock's family were blocked from launching a private prosecution against Barrymore after being told by a judge that there was insufficient evidence for a hearing on six offences, four related to the misuse of drugs, one alleging drunken disorderly behaviour and one alleging assault. So despite the fact that he reportedly told Barrymore he didn't hold him responsible, either his opinion had changed or his legal advice had changed and after that they did try and launch that private prosecution or that was being launched by the rest of the family not the father maybe but it was interesting that they didn't have the evidence for that to be supported but this is what i don't understand if there was evidence then the people involved would have already been prosecuted so why would the family because there's a lower criteria for a private prosecution than a legal one so that's why you often see that in particularly in america actually but Civils. Are they civil laws? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lower criteria of mm. what constitutes guilt. Yes. At the end of that year, Essex Police began a new inquiry into Lubbock's death after a review of the initial inquiry had been completed. Aghast, Barrymore and Barrymore's boyfriend were all arrested in 2007 on suspicion of sexual assault and murder but all three were later released without charge. Again? Released again? A couple of years later, the IPCC publishes the findings of a review of the police investigation into Lubbock's death, including that officers missed crucial evidence and did not ensure vital forensic tests were completed until, and get this, Beth, six years after the event. That's ridiculous. But what worries me, and this is where my opinion is still on the fence because I don't know, so... Has someone got away with it? Not that it didn't happen, but because of police incompetence. It's possible, and we know that's happened in many yeah. other cases in the past as well, but it's possible that the police could have found some evidence on that night that they didn't find. Even if Barrymore, in his drunken state, did carry out some evidence, there would have still been some evidence around, you would have mm. to assume. But it sounded slapdash, the way the police handled it. Yeah. And that's tragic when you're talking about somebody's life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, someone's death and the circumstances behind their death. In 2016, Barrymore lodged an appeal for £2.5 million of damages after suing police who arrested him over the death. Despite a judge stating he was entitled to more than nominal damages... The police appealed and another judge then said he was entitled to nominal damages only. And that was in 2018. So after Channel 4 showed the documentary Barrymore, the Body in the Pool in February 2020, Essex Police offered a £20,000 reward for information leading to a conviction. I remember that documentary. Mm, It was fascinating, wasn't it? Barrymore wasn't on it though, was he? He wasn't, but even as you look back on it, you still had the same questions that we have now. Yeah, he did. 
Barrymore described the documentary as vile and vicious. A 50-year-old man was arrested in connection with the murder of Stuart Lubbock, but Essex police, after legal advice, said that there was insufficient evidence to reach the level where there is a realistic chance of a successful prosecution. The case remains unsolved. I remember last year, at 71 years old, seeing Barrymore stepping back into the entertainment world. He hasn't done a lot since that tragic incident occurred, but he was now directing a West End show about Stan Laurel and Charlie Chapman. And he reflected, despite all the shitty bits that have happened in his life, he still never lost the desire and passion for what he does. And he claims he gets up to one and a half million messages online every year from people who are genuinely lovely. And he says it proves that whatever state you get into, it's worth hanging on. There must have been moments in his life where he questioned whether whether it was worth it all. Yes, there must have been. He did appear on Pierce Morgan's Life Stories in 2019, and had been due to take part in the 12th series of ITV's Dancing on Ice in January 2020, but withdrew from the competition in December 19 because of a broken hand. He gave up alcohol and has been sober for 14 years, and as we said earlier, he's now directing a West End show about Stan Laurel and Charlie Chapman. In a recent interview, he said, It's strange that companies don't employ innocent people. Maybe you have to be guilty to get a job in TV. I don't know. From my experience, they don't employ innocent people. It's unfair, of course. It's terrible. You're supposed to support people. You're supposed to support people that work for you. You're supposed to be caring. I have to say, that sounded a bit dismissive of the fact he was involved in a controversy. Yeah, like, like what I did understand, he expect people to do? Well, he wanted them to support him like he did nothing wrong. But clearly he did something wrong. Mm. And I think it was the fact he was quite blasé about that that at the time turned me off it a little bit. Yeah. It made me mm. think it was too dismissive of something so tragic that yeah. he'd been a central part of whether responsible or not. Mm. Mm. It just seemed a little bit glib. Yeah. Barrymore has actually become a bit of a TikTok star, though. Did you know this? No, I didn't know this. Uh, he is absolutely huge on TikTok, winning over a new generation of fans. And he's got around 2 million followers. Mm, okay. What does he do? Well, he, he shares behind-the-scenes footage of his theatre ventures and he does lots of, like, silly stuff like perhaps he used to do back in the day. Okay. And the majority of his audience, as you'd expect on TikTok, they're kind of, like, between 18 and 24 years old, so it's a whole new army of it fans is, that he's got. Yeah. In early August of 2023, he appeared on This Morning and he was in kind of a mischievous mood. Do you remember okay. this interview? no. It it was the kind of interview that showed me that the way he was in the 90s wouldn't work as well these days. Yeah. Because he was kind of being that silly, funny self, but it didn't look very funny. It didn't come across very funny. But is that not to do with the fact that it's not the 90s anymore, to do with the circumstances of that incident? It's possible you could be looking at him and seeing a different man than you used to, but also, I don't know, he just came across a bit facetious. Okay. Did you say he's bitter? Yeah, I think he is. I think the comments yeah. he made earlier mm-hmm. would suggest that he is bitter, that he's been hung mm-hmm. out to dry as he would, yeah. he would view yeah. it. Yeah. But there was a more serious moment on the interview, and he said, entertainment is forgetting about your troubles. It's about the people. The people made me, and now I'm back. Though not everyone knows I'm back. And that seems like a good place to end the story of Michael Barrymore. Mm. What yeah. are your thoughts, Beth? Well, I do like him because, as I said before, I remember Strike It Lucky and his enthusiasm, his bubbliness 
speaking to real people. I loved all that, the connections he had. He did build um, up that rapport. He did, he did. He had a good rapport. And, you know, it was good to see him again on Celebrity Big Brother. I just, that incident is not cut and dry. And I wish it was. I wish it had been solved. You want closure, closure on the incident. I want closure so on that. that because I agree with you in terms of he knows more about what happened, but whether he's covering it up or covering up for someone, I don't know. Looking like, out for himself, I don't know. And they're all the things, so I can't fully go back to liking him as much as I did because I do think there is something there. And I think he is a different person than he was back then mm. as well. He's been through a lot. Whether you think he deserves that or not is another question. Mm. But he has been through an awful lot. His entire life was turned upside down after that. And, of course, he has the privilege of continuing to be able to live that life, unlike Stuart Lubbock, yes. who did yeah. nothing wrong. But Barrymore has gone through a lot and he became a figure of hate for many mm. after being a figure of adulation yeah. for so many years. Yeah. And that, mm. that's quite a lot for someone who's clearly got a big ego to take. Yeah. I, I do hope one day we find out what happened and not from a... Gossipy kind of way. Not from a gossipy kind of way, mm. but from a... We should know how much Barrymore did know or didn't know mm. or did do or didn't do. We should know because how can we ever fully appraise his legacy without knowing that? Yeah. Fairly appraising. Fairly, yeah. You know, if we if that incident hadn't happened on that night, who knows what kind of episode this would have been now. I know. Are we yeah. talking about someone that's still in the limelight, that's yeah. still presenting shows, mm. like a modern-day Bruce Forsyth? Yes, Are we talking yeah. about that kind of guy? Or was it inevitable that something else would have happened because of the lifestyle he was living at the yeah. time? If it wasn't with this, the drugs, it would have been With the drink, with the partying. And mm. I think he'd been locked in a marriage, which clearly wasn't the person he was supposed to be. And when he got that freedom, his lifestyle became very different. He, it was a party-led lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Would that have continued indefinitely? Mm. Or would that have been a phase he was working through? And I guess we'll never know this. The answers no. to these questions. Mm. Very thought-provoking, wasn't it? It was. Okay. It was. And it's, it's, it's sad that when we're doing a podcast on someone who brought so many laughs to us all during the 90s, mm. that so much of it is focused on something so deeply tragic. Yes. Well, that's the story of Michael Barrymore. We'd love to know your views on on some of the aspects we've discussed. We'll be back next week. Really hope you can join us then. But until then, talk, talk to, to the, the hands. hands.